We're back for season two. Yes, it's bigger. It's badder. It's... Oh, just get on with it. Bad scripts. Well, hello and welcome back to Bad Scripts Presents The Last Resort, Season 2, and our final chapter, Chapter 3. We have returned at last. I know we've had a little hiatus, but we're back to bring you some more fun. Uh, What better Christmas present to receive? And my favourite Christmas present now, because I'm going to be seeing this man in a few days, and any of you listeners to the show will know what that means. So please welcome, as always, my co-host with the most mr mike garlia hi mike hi steve so i am now your christmas present is that is that, that right it is because you know uh, as our viewers know we live a long way away and although we've had brief encounters in the last um last couple of years one sort of hour long period spent together um we haven't been in the same room other than that for for, for several years so um i'm actually venturing up to to bonnie scotland to Spend a bit of time with you this uh, this Christmas, so so that's going to be uh, very Wait, exciting. What? 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 Are you? Oh, I, I I meant to tell you. Sorry. Yeah, um, I should have said. That's all right, though. You know, you don't mind. You, you you'd give up your bed for me, wouldn't you? So I could go somewhere to stay. Well, I mean that's great. I haven't really got you anything apart from yeah. me. So uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, okay. In the spirit of Christmas presents, then, um, Steve, I have a question for you. Go on then. Okay. I'm going to start with the. I'm going to start with the negative first. Ooh. Worst Christmas present you've ever received. Oh, I think I think my wife and she might, she may listen to this at some point. So I apologize, Shirley, but I think it probably was the USB fan that she got me. That she seemed really excited that she got me, and it was just a plug-in fan that cooled your face, but didn't really work either. And that was kind of <laughs> it was a little bit like oh. Thanks. <laughs> so, so of all the presents you've received in your entire existence on this earth, mm. the USB fan was the worst one you've ever received. Is that right? Quite, quite possibly the most useless. I didn't really, you know, <laughs> because it, it required that much power. The the laptop was like getting really hot, so it counteracted any cooling that the fan did. And uh, yeah, it just was this cumbersome. It was one of these things. It was a great idea, and you know, it it was just one of those things didn't quite work out. What about you, Mike? Well, the the worst Christmas present I've ever received was uh, actually from my grandparents uh, many many years ago <laughs> when I was about when I was about fifteen, um, and they get they got me a jumper for Christmas and it, oh well that's a that's a pretty standard present for from grandparents it, it it really is. Would you like to know what this jumper was? Mm-hmm. This jumper was a second hand jumper uh, that my granddad owned and wore in his shed because he used to build motorbikes. So it was all stained with grease and oil, all out of shape, all bobbly, um, which he got free from the opticians because it had the words specialise written on it. Uh, And (laughs) and that's what I got for Christmas that year. (laughs) Maybe. Was this this because of the uh, lazy eye thing? Is this what? (laughs) Uh, No, I don't think it's that. I think he just got it free with a pair of glasses. It said specialize. Um, It was like a V-neck jumper. And uh, and I opened that and I was like, oh, um, 
thank you. And they looked really happy with that. And then I watched my sister open her present and she got a golden, um, a gold bracelet. So <laughs> I must have really done something bad to them that year. <laughs> it does sound like it. I feel like there's a new line of merch. I think that the, the specialized t-shirt uh, or jumper might be a piece of merchandise that we could release. It uh, could be. But you, people out there. You've got to, it's got to have the stains. And it's got to say special eyes on it. It's got to say that. But the worst thing is when your grandparents are coming over and your parents say, put on your Christmas present, they're coming over. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want a smell of oil. Now, I was a very, very small, thin 15-year-old. And my granddad was a big, big guy. So when I put it on, it would uh, it would just look more like a smock, um, <laughs> a bubbly, specialized, grease, oil-stained jumper. <laughs> more like a smock. Worst present I've ever received. Oh dear. Well, never mind. But look, but it's the thanks. it's the thought that counts apparently, and uh, they they clearly gave that some thought when they. I think they forgot. And uh, my 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 nana said to my granddad, "Oh, we we haven't got Mike anything for Christmas." And my granddad says, "I can fix that." And he must have walked upstairs, gone into his drawer, pulled the jumper out, come back, and went, "Problem solved." And uh-huh. she wrapped it up and gave me it. That that's true. It's truly upsetting, isn't it? Never mind. But so you know. Are you looking forward to the fact I'm driving five hours to come and see you? Is that not a Christmas present in itself? Um, well, you tell me, Steve, with the people you're going to have in the car. Well, I, how, I are they, have how are they? How are they? My wife and my kids with me as well, so that will yeah. that will have an impact, which is which I think is even more of a sacrifice than mine because I'm spending the whole time in the car with them. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, well you we'll know, see. when you yeah, it'll be a beautiful drive and uh, and it'll be nice and snowy over the hills when you when you reach Cumbria. Um mm-hmm. and you know, I may even entice you for a beer when you get here. You may need one of those. Yeah, well, let, let's just say I'm sure we'll have a good have a good time and I hope everybody out there uh, is having a great festive time. I, I know that it's the start of, you know, everybody's having their company um christmas nights out and things so um i hope everyone's having a good time on those and if you've got any amusing stories from you want to share with us then uh, then please by all means get in touch That's and nice. worst christmas presents it's let's see if you can top mine can you beat mine and steve's worst christmas gifts sounds sounds good i want to hear some of those definitely the naffa the better okay so we probably need to do a bit of a recap because it's been Two months since we last released an episode. That's not good enough. That's is a it? long time, that, isn't it? That is so, not good enough. Where is the commitment and dedication I, there from from the from the podcast I hosts? I know we've I've, we've let ourselves down. We've let each other down. We've let our audience down. So let's have a little recap. See where we are then. So the big show happened, and it didn't happen. And then Judy saved the day by uh, by turning everything on a sixpence and putting on a impromptu performance using what was left of the cast and the camp coats and uh bernie tried to make his escape in the dark yeah i think i I think we got we got to see judy save the day in 45 minutes we got to see wayne um relive his past glory on the stage by by filling um and wacky wayne coming out to play and and yeah, we got to see the teeth of Glenn and uh, and Bernie trying to make his uh, his mad escape. On top of that, we had a pregnancy scare through Donna to Dan and the return of Sam. Yeah, that was the big shock at the end of the show, wasn't it? I mean, we'd always planned that, and we said that um, at the end of the last season that we'd always planned for her to make a reappearance. And now, you know, she's not she's not a resident back on resort. She's only visits every every 
Fortnite or whatever, what have you, with her visiting band that she's touring around with. So it could make for interesting times. So it's something, something to look forward to, I think, in this closing chapter of uh, of the last resort. So um, what say we we don't just jump on in there and find out what's happening in the direct. Oh, we're not going to go into the future as we've done before, are we? This time we're going to go a little bit Michael J. Fox on this one. We're going to go back in time ever so slightly to just as all that we've been experiencing in the last episode was happening. And we're going to see things from a slightly different perspective. So let's jump on in to the last resort. Interior, main venue, technician's box, a few moments earlier. Dan stands motionless and looking incredulously at Donna. She has a pleading look on her face. Outside the technician's box, the band Black and Blue are still performing to a hyperactive crowd. The dance floor jam-packed with people, kids dancing and having fun. Oh, shit. Is that all you've got to say? Eddie looks across and spots them yelling over the music. Everything all right? Dan turns his attention and waves. Uh, yeah, yeah, uh, we're just talking. Two, two minutes. What? Two minutes! Dan gestures two fingers to Eddie. All right, but you can't be in here. I don't know, two minutes. Eddie shakes his head. Whatever. Eddie turns his attention back to the desk of blinking lights, buttons and knobs on the complicated-looking sound and lighting system. I'm, I'm sorry, babe. I, I just I wasn't expecting that. Well, how do you think I feel? Dan extends his hand and pulls Donna into him, wrapping his arms around her. It's going to be all right. We'll deal with whatever. Let's just give it till tomorrow. We'll just figure it out and then get a test and stuff. But what if I am, Dad? What are we going to do? Hey, come on now. There's no point worrying about that yet. We'll figure something out, OK? Remember, trust me. Who am I? Dan the man. You're damn right I am. Okay. They embrace again, clinging to each other for a moment. Dan pulls away first. So, um, Sam's back. I know. Well, why didn't you say anything? Well, it's not like I had the chance. I've hardly seen you recently. I know. It's proper mental busy right now. She was going to meet us tonight after the show for a few drinks. Uh, well, I thought we were all going out. I don't think I'm in the mood. Well, what about Adam? Oh, shit. Adam. Adam has to find his own way to deal with this. He's responsible for how things went. Ah, come on, baby. That's not fair. You saw for yourself what he went through. And I know what Sam went through. I had to help her, remember? Look, I'll ask Sam to come out back to mine. You go out with everyone. It's okay. Are you sure? I can stay with you if you want. No, that's okay. You go. I'll be fine. 
Eddie shouts over. They both turn and look at him. Oi, you two. It's a working space here, you know. Can you go somewhere else to have your lovey-dovey moment? Interior, main venue, backstage, dressing room, night. Do you know her? Sam stares motionless at Adam, holding her gaze with a stern look. Adam can't pull his gaze away from Sam, a mixture of shock, confusion and pain on his face. Behind Sam, the lead guitarist, Ian, walks in and positions himself at her side, squeezing in through the door. That was awesome. You're brilliant, babe. Ian grabs Sam by the waist and kisses her on the cheek. Adam takes a step back. Adam takes a step back as Sam reciprocates, then pulls away from Ian, a smile on his face. Ian looks around the room and then straight at Adam and Sally. Who's this then? Adam can't seem to speak. Sally looks at him in a state of confusion. Sam looks angry as the realisation hits that she is face to face with Adam for the first time since that phone call months ago. What's going on? Why are you being all weird? Adam snaps out of his daze. What? You're acting all weird, like you've seen a ghost. Ghost of Christmas past, right, Adam? Sally looks at Sam, then back at Adam. Ian shrugs and continues into the room to join his bandmates. What does that mean? I'm sure Adam can tell you all about it. Sam, uh, uh, uh. Whatever you're going to say, Adam. Save it. I'm past apologies. Apo- apologies? Me? Wait a damn minute. If anything, you should be the one apologising to me. What's going on? Why does she need to apologise? Sally, just leave it. See you around, Adam. Sam steps out of the doorway and gestures for them to leave. Adam waits, trying to work out his next move, before storming out. Sally stays looking at Sam. You seem really nice. I'll be careful how close you get with that one. He has issues. They were pretty damn close when I walked in. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. He thrusts his hips. The band laugh and cheer at this. Drinking cans of beer, they all turn to look at Sally. But seriously, why don't you stay for a bit? Have a beer. Sally turns and sees everyone watching her. She slowly leaves the room, the door closing behind her as the band starts celebrating. She looks to the left, then to the right. Adam isn't there. Sally sighs and walks away back towards the main venue dance floor. Okay, that was a really awkward scene, wasn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Do you mean awkward in that we were doing... Like, I did a scene where it was pretty much all me, and then you did a scene that was pretty much all you. <laughs> Enjoyed that. No, I just think it was the... Um, obviously, you've got Sally there, you've got Adam there, you've got Sam in the doorway. Sam's now boyfriend, Ian, walks in, which throws Adam a little bit. And yeah. then I, I think you just get to see their mindset where Adam is feeling like Sam should apologise to him. Sam's naturally assuming that Adam's going to apologise to her. And, well, that's yeah. the start of the friction, isn't it? And poor Sally's just like, what is going on here? I don't understand. <laughs> Well, let's remember the last time they spoke was the end of the last season when Adam threw his phone into the sea. Yeah, the Chris, the end of the Christmas special. That's yeah. right. Uh, the so, Halloween show. Uh, the uh, sorry, the um, New Year's show. Yeah. Um, 
So and poor Sally, because let's not forget, Sally has no idea what's going on. She did, she <laughs> all she's seeing is Adam seeing this singer for the first time, yeah. and then going, "Wait, he knows her." Yeah, I do like the fact that Ian's not, he's not the jealous type. I think that's a great because he's just like, "Oh, well, if only walks off." Do you know what I mean? He's not like, "Well, who's this? What's going on?" Like Adam would have been, or Craig, her ex, would have been. This Ian guy seems like the the chill one. So you almost go, ah. I see where we're going here. She's <laughs> he's a she's guitarist in a band. He's in a yeah. rock band. You know, like they're all the same. These guitarists in rock bands—they're just full of bravado, self-confidence, and uh, and narcissism. <laughs> you sound like you sound like you've got a story there that you need. To tell <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely not. And I've never been a guitarist in a band, and, and I'm jealous for that. Yeah. Um, so, and and then um, of course, we're, you know, Donna still believes she's you know she they're. they're pretty scared donna's scared at least mm. and dan's doing his dan the man how long do you think he'll get away for that for Let, let's like let's let's think ahead 20 years right where donna and dan have, let's say in this world have been married for 20 years and and tragedy happens and then dan says who am i do we think in 20 years time donna would repeat dan the man or do you think I, she'd I genuinely just think step she off? would no i think she would because i think that is a throwback to We've got through all this before. It's kind of his reassurance to her. Like, you know who I am. You know that I'll that we'll get through this. That's his words of reassurance. And I think it would be something he'd say to her when he's 85. Don't worry. Do you think, will he I? still be Dan the Man when he's 85? I think he certainly will. Dan the Old Man? Yeah, okay. Dan um, well, it'll always be Dan the, the Man. So there's plenty of story to play with there. And mm. uh, dear listeners, I think you're going to get a sense of where this chapter's going right now. Marvellous. Well, let's kick on and see where the night takes us. Interior Entertainment's office, night. The last of the camp coats are saying farewell in the office, all dressed up ready for their night out. Paula eyes them up as they leave, running into Kelly as she makes her way in. She sees Paula and a slight look of disdain appears on her face. Where is Adam? Oh, he's uh, he just got called into the main venue. He's just, I'm just calling the phones for him. Aye, aye. Just as a favour. Aye, aye. And have you had the training to be manning the phones? What to say and all that? Paula looks incredulously at Kelly. That's the second incredulous look we've had in two scenes. And we're getting bigger. Because of that <laughs> thesaurus I've got on the desk. <laughs> Trying to work out if it's a joke. It hasn't even long since I got here. But saying that, I think I'm more than capable of answering the call. Paula laughs. Ellie does not. You think it's funny, do you? With your accent? What is that anyway? Birmingham. I'm a proud brummie. Well, let me tell you something. Remember Camp Court Tom? Vaguely, he left, didn't he? Left? <laughs> no. No. Is that what you think? People don't leave here, hen. He got sacked. Sacked? Why? He was doing right what you're doing now. Manning the phones. Eddie Starr called. He was doing a gig for that comedy weekend. It didn't go well. Not for Camp Court Tom, at least. Who's Eddie Starr? Who's, who's Eddie Starr? Famous comedian hamster. You seriously work in entertainment and you don't know who he is? Do you mean Freddy Star? That's what I said. Well, anyway, 
he was not happy with the way Tom answered. So he complained. I had to sack him. I take it Tom didn't get the right training then. I'd say that was a management issue. Kelly looks harshly at Paula. Paula lifts up her body, showing that she's not intimidated. Mushy walks in behind Kelly, sees her and immediately turns to leave, but not before Kelly spots him. Uh, where are you gone? I was just uh, uh, finishing my shift in that. <laughs> I had two minutes then. I need to discuss a rotor change with you. Mushy looks down at the floor, trying not to sigh. You can go. Paula gets up and picks up her camp coat jacket. Uh, before you leave, write down the names of those coats that are out there tonight. The ones that were in here. Why? Everyone's out tonight. Just those three names. Paula looks at Kelly, who stares back unblinking. Eventually, Paula gives in and jots down three names and hands them out the paper over to Kelly. Kelly takes it, studies the note, and walks over to the rotor, finding their names and writing on the pad. You can go, Paula. Paula makes eye contact with Mushy and immediately leaves the office. Mushy hovers by the door. Kelly turns and waves him over to her. Are you playing hard to get, are you? Are just avoiding me? What, me? Uh, nah, just, uh, just on a shift. Sorry, I've got a sign to come up for them. What, me, nah, uh, just on a shift a lot is all, you know, uh, working. Really? I do your rota. I know what shifts you're on. I've messaged her a bunch as well. Oh, I've just been, uh, you know, sleeping a lot, you know. Kelly grabs Mushy and licks his closed lips. She reaches down and puts her hand on his crotch. Mushy instinctively steps back, looking uncomfortable. Kelly doesn't notice. All right. You can make it up to me tonight. My Shelley, no excuses. Well, I was going to go out with everyone tonight, Kelly. Is that ways? You're an early shift tomorrow. Uh, well, I was just going to have a few. Kelly steps back into Mushy, taking his hand and puts them on her behind. And miss this. You'll have more fun with me, I promise. All right? Midnight, my Shelley. On you go. Mushy reluctantly nods his head. Oh, and uh, take this. She hands him the paper. Those three names I want reported on for being late in the morning. Uh, but, but they're not late yet. <laughs> Kelly smiles, kisses Mushy and bites his bottom lip. Midnight. No excuses. Kelly walks past him and leaves the office. Okay, I creep myself out saying that. I'm sorry, I heard it in my own ears and even I felt creeped out by it. Midnight, no excuses. It was the excuses, but excuses like I don't even know anymore. Sorry, right. you don't even play Kelly and that's a better Scottish accent than I'm portraying right now. Mike, we're, we're, we all know what Kelly's like. She's, she's She is she's, really boisterous on mushy there, isn't oh, she? She's, she's full on. I think, I think it's because he's not dead keen that she loves it. I think there's a control thing there. I don't know if you've noticed it. She always seems to... I think if if, if someone was over-keen, then she wouldn't be interested. I'm kind of feeling sorry for Mushy. I mean, I wouldn't want... 
I don't care who you are. I don't want you to walk up to me and lick my closed lips. I know it's it, it, horrible. It, it is horrible, isn't it? But I think that's the point. That's the point. Is it's that, and it's like, oh, it's gross. It's the sort of thing we've seen a lot men do, and I think it's it's interesting to see that in reverse. That sexual dominance and that uninvited harassment, essentially. It really using, is using using that. That her position of power to, you know, be so so overtly sexual is quite it's quite intimidating and you know difficult. But it it you know these things did happen. Well, let me let me ask you this question then. Um, when you were, did you ever man the phones in the entertainment's office, Steve? I think I did from time to time. Yeah, if I you did got too. Any any uh, any funny callers that you that you received while doing that? Um. Not really. I think it was usually pretty, pretty straightforward. Pretty boring. Mostly people ringing in sick or <laughs> something like that. What about yeah, you? Yeah. So when we say man in the phones, we mean like people would ring the entertainment office, which is usually stuff as well. I actually did have a call very similar to that once from a very well-known comedian who was looking for our um, kind of entertainment manager. And um, I won't say his name. In fact, I'll say it in reserve, reserved. It could have sounded something like Davidson Jim. And um, I didn't answer mm-hmm. the phone in the right manner. And he was running a panto. And he did indeed threaten to fire me because I couldn't <laughs> give him the answers that he needed, as in I didn't know where the entertainment manager was. So there's a little bit of playing on real life there because that really did happen to me. And I did get <laughs> talking to you to go. And I did get that. Have you been trained on the phones and etiquette? And I'm like, uh no, just picked up the phone, and said hello, entertainment's office, and he went, "This is Davidson Jim. Get mm. me, you know, that person." And I'm like, "I don't know where she where she is." <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yeah, that 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 really happened. So, um, if you're a fan of the show, and I hope I hope you remember me, Davidson Jim. Exterior, Camp Resort car park night. Adam is walking through the car park. He's clearly upset. Dan shouts from behind and runs to catch up with him. But in the background, we can clearly see Glenn talking to Bernie, but can't hear what's being said. Uh, are you all right, mate? Adam nods his head. I tried to tell you before Donna came in with that bombshell. Things all right with you? Ah, oh, nothing we can't handle. We'll get to it in the morning. Why are you not with Donna? Well, because my mate needs me. She gets it. You mean she's with Sam? Hey, come on. Let's go for a pint, eh? Okay. I don't think I'm in the mood. I'm, I'm just going to go back to the van. <laughs> back to that depressing room, mate. No way. Come on. We're going to go for a pint. Talk it out. Adam looks around and reluctantly nods his head. They turn and start walking towards the main entrance. Interior bar night. Adam and Dan are sat at the bar nursing pints, both looking forlorn in their own way. The venue isn't particularly busy and there are no other camp resort staff present. Music plays in the background while a few people quietly play pool. The way she just looked at me. So much hate. So much disdain. I mean, what the fuck? This what? Disdain. It's it's when someone looks at you with disgust. All right. Yeah. I mean, 
who does she think she is? Coming back here after all this time? She must have known I was here. Come back to gloat with a guitar-playing boyfriend. Just to rub it in. Rub what in? What happened between us? What she did? What did she do? Dan? Come on, mate, it's obvious. She's going through men like hot dinners. First she got back with her ex. Then she's with this guitar rock dude who thinks he's so cool. <laughs> she don't. You don't know she got back with her ex. I do know that. You were there. How can you say that? Besides, it should be her apologising to me for everything she's put me through. Dan doesn't say anything. Adam falls silent again. A look of anger on his face. I might soon be a dad. <laughs> That's a scary thought. I mean, I, c I can barely look after myself. Never mind a little baby. Yeah, well, you said yourself. You wasn't really sure, right? I know, mate, but I'm worried, like, you know? What if, well, you know? You told Donna it was probably a false alarm. So what are you worrying for? Bloody hell, mate. What else am I going to say to her? Do a runner instead. Because between us, I'm not proud of it. But that was my first instinct. They both drop into silence again. A bag is thrown onto the bar next to them, and Kelly sits down. Well, you two look like a pair of cheerful fuckers. Who died? They both turn and look at Kelly. Dan sighs heavily. What's got you both looking like a couple of smacked arses then? Feel like we're done, have you, Dan? I ran out of naive young girls, Adam. Just leave it, Kelly. Could do without your crap tonight. I'm only messing with yours. I don't often see anyone in this place. That's why I like coming here. Get away from it all. Both Adam and Dan nod their heads in agreement. Kelly whistles to the barman and he comes over. Malibu and cranberry. Six sambukers. The barman nods and prepares the drinks. They all just sit in silence as he puts them down. And Kelly pays. She starts placing the shots in front of both Adam and Dan. Here you go. Two for years and two for me. Nah, not for me, thanks. I'm not in the mood. Nor me. Well, I haven't just spent six quid and shots to waste them. And I can't do all six on my own. Come on, all time's sake. Look, I'm going to shoot off, mate. No offence, Kelly, but I can't be fucked. Before Adam can protest, Dan jumps off his chair and leaves quickly. Kissing a firm arm on Adam's shoulder as he leaves. Did he, did he find that on the floor? Did he find a firm arm on the floor and just put it on Adam's shoulder again? Like a scarf? Is that... What? <laughs> it's the line. Sorry, I just read the line. Right. Like Placing a firm arm on Adam's shoulder as he leaves. He just finds a firm arm and just puts it on Adam's shoulder. <laughs> okay. Because his body parts lied around. Yeah, sorry. It just, um, well, you know, could be a firm something else. Anyway. More for us then. Come on, you miserable get. Drown those sorrows. Kelly lifts her shot glass and stares at Adam. Adam looks at her, then down at the glasses. He lifts one, looks through at the clear booze, and down they go. Kelly immediately lifts the next one, and they repeat, finally taking the third shot and downing that. Well, the juice is flowing, eh? Yeah, <laughs> no surprise there. That, that, that was actually all right. 
Adam motions four more to the bartender, who fills up the glasses. They both pick the first up and drink, and immediately the second. Kelly then downs her Malibu and slams the glass back on the bar. Adam does the same with his beer. Bored. I missed this. We used to have a laugh, Adam. Yeah, we did. You know, for a while. <sighs> what happened? Well, let me see. It's probably because you were being such a constant bitch. <laughs> Ach, well, you weren't saying that when I was sat on your face. See, why do you have to say that? Let's just call it a moment of stupidity, Kelly. Insanity, even. One that will never, ever be repeated. You're, You're no... no saint yourself, Adam. You called me out. But I actually liked you a lot. And you didn't even care. Soon as Sam saw you, you dropped me straight to the curb. Why the hell should I make you feel good about that? Why should I be nice? I, I don't know. Basic human decency? <laughs> Whatever, Adam. Maybe you should take a look in the mirror before you start throwing words around. For God's sake, Kelly, we slept together once. Aye, but I liked you way before that. When you were all eight. So I'm not all right now, then? No, you're a twat. <laughs> if I'm a twat, then what does that make you? I know what I am. At least I can admit it. Look, let's just finish these drinks in silence and then we never have to talk again, all right? That's fine by me. Interior, Kelly's chalet, night. The chalet door bursts open as Adam quickly follows Kelly into the room. She immediately pushes him onto the bed and straddles him, kissing him passionately as her hips gyrate on his lap. I always knew you'd be back in my room at some point, you wee shagger. <laughs> well, that was enthusiastic. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did see how that you wee shagger. Out. It's like, fucking <laughs> hell. How terrifying would that be? <laughs> well, she's passionate. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll go is. again. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. Again, sorry. I liked it. I liked it. I always knew you'd be back in my room at some point, you wee shagger. Now let's see what you've learned. I don't think he realised he would have an exam. <laughs> okay, let's see what revision you've done. Adam pulls her down and onto the bed as he climbs on top of her, groping at the top and getting a handful of Kelly's breasts. She wraps her legs around him and pushes him further onto her. Yes, I like it when you take control like that. Oh, I've been a bad girl. <laughs> <laughs> You've added this in. I didn't know this line existed. <laughs> yeah, I did. Let me try again. I think it's just Kelly in the moment, isn't it? Adam? Yes, I like it when you take control like that. I've been a bad girl. Punish me. They are suddenly interrupted by a knock at the door. They both freeze and go quiet. A knock again, then whispering through the door. Kelly, Kelly, it's, it's me. Rich. Shh, don't move. He'll go in a bit. Who's Rich? <laughs> they they lay still for a few moments. Three knocks resume. Are you awake? It's midnight. Mushy tries the handle, and to Kelly's shock, the door isn't locked. Both Kelly and Adam jump up in a flash. Quick, in the wardrobe! What? I, I'm not. 
Kelly pushes him forcefully towards the wardrobe. Adam reluctantly climbs in as Kelly opens the chalet door. She pretends to be sleepy, vying for enough time for Adam to hide. Slowly, she opens the door. Hey. All right. It, it's midnight. Thought you might have fallen asleep. I was about to leave. Yeah, I, w- I was feeling pretty tired. Oh, you're fully dressed, though. Kelly looks down. Well, I took a lay down to wait for you. I must have drifted off. Can I come in, then? It's late. Oh, right, because, you know, you said midnight, and it it's like that time. Did anyone see her come here? Nah, I was careful. Before Kelly can say another word, Mushy walks in past her, pulls down his jeans and sits on the bed. Kelly closes and locks the door, turns around and sees, Mush- and sees Mushy with no trousers on. Keen are you? Well, I'm on the early shift, remember, so I, I can't stay long. All right. Last of the great romantics, eh? What do you mean? Kelly puts her hands on her hips, looking over at the wardrobe where Adam is still hiding. So you think you can just turn up, whisk off your kegs, stick me one and then bugger off? Some gentleman you are. Mushy looks confused. What do you mean? I don't understand. That's what you told me to do. There's another knock at the door. Kelly and Mushy stare at each other. Kelly motions for Mushy to be quiet. Another knock. Kelly this time walks to the window and stealthily peeps out of the curtains. She quickly turns back to Mushy. Shit! You have to hide! Quick! Mushy looks around, spots the wardrobe and goes towards it. Kelly seizes and at the last moment and quickly intercepts. No in there, dipshit! You'll never fit! Mushy goes towards the single bed and attempts to climb under. What are you doing? You're not ten! Hide in the bathroom! Mushy looks over, nods his head and goes to the bathroom. Kelly closes the door behind him. She looks down. She still sees she's still dressed and goes to the wardrobe and opens it. Adam blinks at the flashing light in his eyes. What the hell, Kelly? Shh! Two minutes. I'll get rid of them. Here, pass me that silk dressing gown, will you? Adam looks to his right and fumbles it off the hanger, handing it to Kelly. There's a third knock at the door. One second, I'm just getting something on. Kelly looks at Adam, crouched in the wardrobe, and smiles deviously. She takes off her top and then her skirt, stands in just her pink underwear, looking straight at Adam, and then slowly pulls the pink silk gown over herself. She walks to the wardrobe and closes it, before walking to the door and opening. This had better be good for waking me up. Oh, it'll be worth it, I promise. Before Kelly can say another word, Wayne walks straight into the chalet, a big smile on his face. It's late, Wayne. (laughs) I am buzzing. Did you hear what happened tonight? I saved the show, brought the absolute house down. It was like all came rushing back to me, you know. The applause, the laughter, the ovation at the end. It was like the old me again, and the only person I wanted to see was you. Mm, It sounds like you had a good night. It was magical. Now, come here. Wayne motions to Kelly to come to him, which she does. Wayne cuddles her and begins to explore her body with his chubby fingers. 
I'm sorry, right? I, I, I really am, but I'm just, I'm just not in the mood. Oh, come on. I've waited so long. Wayne starts kissing Kelly's neck and begins slipping down her silk gown. She stops him, eyes darting to the wardrobe, then to the bathroom. Well, can't, can't I stay the night? No, it's a single bed. Well, I can sleep on the floor or in the chair after. Kelly gives Wayne a look as she contemplates her escape plan. If I give you a little treat now, will you let me sleep? Oh, what have you got in mind? Kelly drops to her knees and reaches for Wayne's zipper, undoing it. Wait, Wayne walks towards the bathroom. I'll be back in a sec. Kelly panics and pulls him back towards her. Shh, 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 shh. Just relax. But I've been on stage sweating. Kelly reacts as Kelly pulls... Wayne reacts as Kelly pulls down his trousers. We cut to the inside of the wardrobe. Adam is crouched and can only see their silhouettes through a narrow slit. All he can hear is Wayne moaning and wet slurping and gagging noises from Kelly. After what seems like an eternity, the sounds get louder as Wayne reaches his crescendo. Kelly coughs and splutters. The shadows separate. We cut back to the chalet room as Wayne pulls up his trousers. Kelly wipes her mouth and chin with a pink slip. Are you happy now? Oh, that was amazing. Great. Well, good night then. Wayne looks surprised. Oh, Right. Really? Wayne. Oh, okay, okay. Well, I'll see you tomorrow then. Same as always. Wayne gives Kelly a kiss on the cheek and leaves the chalet. Kelly immediately walks to the bathroom and opens the door. Mushy is no longer there and the small bathroom window is open. She hastily pulls it closed. Walking back into the bedroom, she opens the wardrobe doors to a very uncomfortable looking Adam. All clear. Adam climbs out of the wardrobe, stretches his legs and his back. What the hell was that all about? What? All them? Nothing. Was that Wayne? Kelly drops her stained silk gown, revealing once again her pink bra and thong. Now, where were we? She walks towards Adam, who recoils. What? Are you are you actually kidding? Well, I can brush my teeth if you like. We don't have to kiss or anything. Oh, this was a mistake. Uh, I'm going to go. <laughs> no, you will not go. I've turned down two shags tonight to have you, so you'll bloody well finish what you started. Kelly. No, absolutely not. Why not? You've done worse, I'm sure. Well... Well, no, but after listening to you chortle on Wayne's wacky stick, <laughs> is that your line? Yeah. You put that in, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> wacky stick. Okay. Um, <clears throat> well, no, but after listening to you chortle on Wayne's wacky stick, I'm kind of not feeling it anymore. Are you kidding me on? Fine. Leave then. I didn't really want you in the first place. It's enough knowing I can. I. It's enough knowing I could. And guess what? Can have you whenever I want. 
there's something really wrong with you, Kelly. Like, like seriously. And have you seen yourself lately, Adam? How's that working out for you? You're more heated than I am. Adam walks to the door and leaves, slamming it behind him. Kelly follows and locks it. She walks to a bed, opens up her bedside drawer, and takes out a pink phallus-shaped device. Lying down, she twists it on, and a fast, buzzing sound fills the room as she finds the right setting, and it audibly slows down. At least you're reliable, aren't you, Jessica? <laughs> that wasn't... I was like, for a minute I was going, ooh, and then that turned into a ooh, and I thought, well, that could be the, the sounds of her rampant rabbit. Um, <laughs> wow. Wow. Just yeah. wow. So um, Kelly, Kelly's had three different men in her room tonight, and she mm. still ends up with a vibrator. Wow, that's uh, that sounds like a, 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 a portion of bad luck for Kelly. But, <laughs> it's I, thought really... say, so I thought you were going to say it sounds like a typical house in the Jones <laughs> it's like in the Jones household <laughs> uh, definitely not definitely not but do you know what it's kind of like a reap what you sow situation isn't it she leads all these men on and she manipulates them and then they all end up being in the same place and I mean none of them are innocent let's not forget this maybe mushy because he's being manipulated and he feels forced into it but Wayne's there because he genuinely likes her Adam's there because he's absolutely messed up in the head in terms of his his whole relationship with women is completely messed up. So yeah, <laughs> it's quite a quite an unusual one. But uh, well, there's a little bit of fun. And uh... so let, let let's just put this in perspective, right, for just one moment, because I know we've had two months um, have passed since our last episode, but we are gonna have to just put this night in perspective because all of this is one night that is the show falling apart a blackout on resort sorry no let's go back one um celebrity guests turning up opening up the new chalets a blackout because of the lasers the show falling apart judy saving the show wayne back on stage glenn um trying to fight you know glenn threatening bernie Bernie leaving, then Donna being pregnant, Sam turning back up, <laughs> then going to a bar and Adam then have and then being in a chalet with um with three guys that she's coming on, all happening in one night. That's a lot. <laughs> it's a busy old day, but there were days like that. I think if I remember rightly, there were definitely days where it felt like everything happened. And then you'd have weeks when there was nothing, but it it was just it was like um it was a crescendo. I think to everything that had been gone on, I think the the energy from that day overspilled into the evening. You know, all those occurrences, all that high drama, all that tension, and this was this was the release. This was the the getting it out of the system. So why? I mean, I think we know why Kelly went there. So why did Adam go back there again? I think I, well, Adam. Um, well, I think it's really clear why Adam went back there. Adam is shocked with Sam and he's rebelling, he's, he's lashing out. And uh, and then, that, you know, him and Kelly, right before that, was having an argument in a bar and declaring they're never going to speak to each other again. And then next minute, they've obviously had a few drinks, they've got a little bit drunk and they've just, their, their animal tendencies have kicked in, nature's kicked in, and they've ended up back at the chalet. Kelly forgetting that she's invited Mushy over mm. and then not realising that Wayne's going to turn up as well. So, um you know, and then doing what she's done to get rid of Wayne in order to go back with Adam. So there's, <laughs> <laughs> you, 
you know, I don't know whether that would ever happen in real life, to be perfectly honest. I don't know if anyone would do what Kelly's done. Um, do you have a view? This is fiction, of course, and this never happened in real life. Uh, certainly not. To mm-hmm. me, uh, well, speak I don't for yourself. You. you know, I was writing from experience, but no, I mean, I've <laughs> <laughs> no, not not with not with three people. I think the the first occurrence I, I I've been involved in, but but um, but yeah, we'll leave that where it is. I will talk about that another time, maybe on a special. I'll discuss that, but uh, yeah, um, it 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 is built in some form of reality, and like uh, you say, Adam's just. I don't think he knows what he wants, and he's just angry, and he's lashing out. He's doing these things to, to, kind of make himself feel better about himself because he's obviously. I think, in his own mind, he's saying, "Well, it's all Sam's fault," but I think he does feel a sense of guilt. I think he feels a sense of maybe I didn't do the right thing, but he kind of can't admit it to himself. I I disagree. I don't think he does because if you listen to the way, like, so I'm I'm. Maybe the listeners will pick up on this one. He was really dismissive with Dan, by the way, in that mm. bar. And I think if Kelly had turned up, that could have been, I, I strongly suspect that could have turned into an argument because Dan was obviously saying he wants to talk about this pregnancy thing. And if you listen to what Adam's mm. saying to him, he's like, but yeah, but you said not to worry about it. So don't, why are you talking about it? Or you said to Donna that it's going to be all right. Mm. So Adam's just not really giving Dan any advice or any encouragement. Well, he's, he's not like, being a friend, is he? He's yeah, he's not. He's been a complete and a knobber and, and in, in his own world. He's in, he just wants to go on about Sam. And I think he's obviously annoyed at Dan because Dan's called out really subtly some home truths there to go, well, you don't know that for sure. And, you know, Dan's playing a little subtle devil's advocate there. But yeah. um, I don't think Adam has been a, I don't think Adam has been a good friend to his friends for, the, for, for, for quite a while yet. And I mm. think, you know, you've seen that play out. And also... Will Kelly keep her mouth shut? I know she couldn't in that scene, but will she keep? Will she actually use that against Adam going forward? Will she use that as ammunition that, um, you know, you're with me? Will that cause Kelly any any damage? You know, or I don't know. You know, in in terms I of guess, that. yeah, we'll just have to wait and see what find out what happens next, won't we? So, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Jinx, it and it quite quite an explosive. Uh, return to um, form there. Um, we hope you've all enjoyed that, and that uh, it's nice to have chapter three underway of this second season. So, as it's Christmas time, do you have any magical Christmas advice to give us before we say goodnight to all of our wonderful listeners once more? Um, anything you want to impart on them at this festive time of year? The only thing I would say in true Adam fashion is it is the last two weeks of the year. If you're going to make any mistakes, do it now. So you go into the new year clean and guilt free. (laughs) I can't say that that's necessarily going to happen, but we'll try. So listen, thank you everybody for tuning in. It's been wonderful to be back. We'll be joining you again very soon with another episode in this wonderful chapter three. So stay tuned. Have a great Christmas if we don't see you before and see you next time on the Bad Scripts podcast. Until then, goodbye. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones. A Beach Tide production.